Virginia, William Hill, America's number one sports book, is now here. And we have a special 2021 offer to help you bet on all your favorite sports risk free. Download the William Hill Sportsbook app, and when you sign up, you can get started with a risk free bet of up to $2,021. Use promo code Radio RF. Terms and conditions apply. 21 plus only. Gambling problem? Call, text, or chat our confidential and toll free helpline at 1 532 3500. Let's make it interesting with William Hill Sportsbook. Hi, this is Kylie Thompson, host of Food for Thought. Thanks for listening to the following podcast on Public House Media. Disarming Disability. Hey, welcome back. This is Disarming Disability. And I am Sarah Tuberty and... And I'm Nicole Kelly. And hey, how's it going? What's uh, what's something fun you've been doing this week? Phew. Um, well, sh- I'm in Chicago, of course. This is Nicole, and uh, Chicago is still in pretty pretty strict lockdown in the sense that like so many people are still totally working from home. Um, I've actually physically returned to work, but there's a ton of um, protocol that's in place where everybody's six feet apart and we're all wearing masks and we all have hand sanitizer at our desk and, you know, kind of all of these, these extra steps and measures for us to physically go back in. Uh, but the exciting thing that I'm really thinking about this week <laughs> are tacos. <laughs> yes. Because our um, the part of Chicago that I live in, I live two blocks away from the best taco place in the entire city of Chicago, and they opened up outdoor seating in Chicago again, which is so exciting because it kind of actually brings a little taste of summer Chicago back, which we've been missing, and this place does a taco truck outside of its just like normal restaurant location, so twice already this week I have gone to get my... Uh, taco truck tacos because they are so fantastic and I am very thankful for the taco truck this week that's where I'm at Um, I'm good I have um, two funny stories about tacos Um, one of them is I was at a um, I was where was I I was in Spain I think I'd gone to Barcelona it was I had gone to Barcelona it was the first time I traveled entirely by myself to um somewhere and that's something I was excited to do um but it had been a city I'd already been had gone to before so I felt very comfortable in Barcelona I'd been there several times prior to this um time me going by myself and I ended up making some really good girlfriends at the um like hostel that I was staying at so then they invited us to go out to this really beautiful um club that was on the water in Barcelona. So like you entered it on the top floor and then you went down to the bottom floor and it just like went out to the water and it was so beautiful because it was right along the beach. Um, So I'm at this, but I didn't intend on going to a nightclub. So I didn't bring any nightclub attire. So then we all went out and we, I found like this cute little dress and you know, it made my, my butt look good. And um, so when I'm at this nightclub, this guy said something, I mean, cause people say stuff, but this guy had said something along the lines of like, Oh, you have a nice butt. And I turned around and like looked over my my shoulder and I goes it's all just tacos and cookies and then I like strut <laughs> away um, and then later I was like oh my god did I just say that what did I just do did I just say that actually I'm really proud because of the two things that 
are going to make up any type of badonkadonk <laughs> like it should be tacos and cookies. So um, I feel like that's either just straight truth or what should be truth anyway. <laughs> it was. That is I because honestly, I love tacos and I love cookies. So I wasn't lying. I just was proud of myself for how that came out and that I just sort of then I mean really I like did my little shoulder walk saunter off thing as I found my girlfriends again which is so funny um and then my other favorite taco story is um my sister had shared this meme with me um a few years ago and it says things Californians are good at number one loving California oh and I'm from California I grew up in California um so it says things Californians are good at one loving California two talking about California three hating the cold, four, taco consumption, five, judging other states' Mexican food, and six, diving under a desk, which like, I read this, and I just laughed hysterically, because I was like, it's, it's accurate. I moved to Philadelphia, and I'm just like, it's so cold here. I hate it. California is so much better. And I tacos. I just want tacos, and I can't believe the state's Mexican food. Like, my little hole-in-the-wall taco place in Vacaville, California is so much better than this. And I mean... <laughs> It, and it's funny because right now I'm right now I know I'm behind on all of it. I totally get it. But for whatever reason, um, I'm watching Sex and the City. I didn't watch it as a kid because it came out when I was like what nine. But now as a as a thirty year old, I was like, wow, this TV show is amazing. It's talking about everything. And and Carrie, the main character in Sex and the City, goes over and it comes up in a bunch of her different episodes where she says like, I just don't understand how people live outside of New York. Like, why is New York not the center of everybody's lives? And I just feel that way about California, too. Like, why would anyone else want to be anywhere else but California? Like, California is so amazing because we have breakfast burritos and great tacos and Disneyland, like, in Hollywood. Like, who wouldn't want to be here? So it just is so funny that I kind of grew up with that allure of, like, how wonderful California was. And and even, like, anytime I travel you know, people ask you where you're from. And, and, you know, technically I'm from the United States, right? But no one really says the United States. Everyone just says their individual state, right? For the most part. Um, when I just find it's interesting, if you talk to people from other countries, they'll say that they're from their country that they're from. But I'm like, oh, I'm from California. And people are like, oh, fun, California. So I just, I mean, I loved that as like a 16 year old being an exchange student and all Italy was so in love with the fact that I was from California. So it feels very like bougie and poshy. And I totally get that we have such inflated egos and pride on where we're from, as I suppose everybody does, right? Like, I think a lot of people sort of like have this diehard space in their hearts and, and pride from where they're from, right? And think that that's kind of like the coolest thing. <laughs> I remember um, traveling when I was little and us kind of meeting other people who were also on vacation who we were, we were, you know, making acquaintances with and, you know, going on hikes with or whatever it may be, you know, kind of like when you meet people on vacation and, and I'll always remember, you know, I don't know how young I was, but because I'm from a tiny, tiny town in Iowa, when you're literal, when you're little, regardless of how big your town is, like that is your bubble, right? Like nothing exists outside that bubble. So I'll always remember that we were in this conversation or my parents were rather with this new couple that, you know, we had met and we're talking to and getting to know. And they asked where we were from. And my parents immediately responded, oh, we're from around Chicago. Chicago is actually technically five hours from my hometown. Mm -hmm, I, mm -hmm. you know, we maybe would come into Chicago once every other year, you know, now I live here, of course, but, but Chicago wasn't 
right next door. We weren't a suburb of Chicago. We were nowhere near, you know, where I was from the middle of cornfields. I'm, I'm a child of the corn. And, <laughs> and so I remember being so it's in a whole different state. Yeah. It's a, like, totally different, it's a totally different state. But then afterwards, you know, I like didn't in the moment ask my parents, but afterwards right away, I was like, we are not from Chicago. We are okay. from Iowa, we are from corn. This is our life. What are you saying? And my parent and the way they explained it to me was almost kind of the way that we were talking to just earlier, where like regionally, who nobody, everybody knows where California is. Nobody, if you're not from Iowa, if you're from another country, you're not gonna know where Iowa is when you say Iowa, but you may know where Chicago is when you say Chicago. So my parents were having to explain to me that we were like a lot less important than other states, basically. In real time, I was learning how we were lower on the list. (laughs) Speaking about California, what is a really cool, because we're clearly the best, right? I know, because we have to talk about how cool California is. But speaking about California, there is a really cool, what, in California? What, what? We are so excited because, yes, in the beautiful Silicon Valley that, yes, does exist in your home state of, of California. I almost said Colorado. <laughs> um, we're so excited because that is a home space for Apple. Yes, the big A, Apple. And um, that's where a campus of over 12,000 people are employed by this company. And that is the heart and brain of where technology is coming out of. And we're so excited because today we have the actual director in charge of accessibility at Apple. She is the lady, the lady. Her name is also Sarah. And so we have Apple Sarah today and we have Disarming Disability Sarah today. Uh, But yeah, we were able to hop on a call with Apple Sarah and she was just so down to earth, so cool. kind of contextually for you to know, Apple is just coming out of a big conference where they are, it's their developers conference and they're sharing uh, what new features are coming out and what they've really been focusing on for the past year. It happens every summer. And so coming off of that, they've just made a handful of big accessibility and adaptability features. And Sarah was nice enough to hop on a call with us and chat with us and share with us what we can look forward to um, in this year as far as features and functions. And it was so much fun. So I can't wait for you guys to hear it. And that they wanted to share it with us, which is just so humbling too. And and also Nikki described it as looking the icing off of the cupcake. Like we didn't even deep dive into all of the different things that Apple has. I mean, we could have been on a call with Sarah for hours, I think, and, and still not even be able to cover all of the cool features that Apple is doing and sort of that technology is really building accessibility into the fabric and the framework and the heart and the meat of what technology is doing and 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 all of the different products that do exist which i just think is so fantastic so yeah yeah, with no further ado shall we make that transition great yes okay sarah herlinger is the director of global accessibility policy and initiatives sarah leads accessibility for apple including apple's award-winning voiceover screen reader software for people who are blind made for iPhone hearing aids and other initiatives that support Apple's culture of inclusion. At Apple, accessibility is championed as a basic human right and influences all Apple platforms. Since joining Apple in 2003, 
Sarah has served in several key accessibility roles, including in Apple's education organization, focusing on the use of Apple technology to support all learners, as well as defining the accessibility product strategy across the Apple ecosystem. Sarah holds a Bachelor of Arts degree from DePaul University and a Master's of Business Administration from Stanford Graduate School of Business and serves on the board of directors of the American Foundation for the Blind. We have Sarah here. We're so excited. And um, so, Sarah, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your role? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me be a part of this, Sarah and Nicole. It's wonderful to be joining you guys today. Mm -hmm. uh, so my name is Sarah Herlinger, and I lead accessibility at Apple. Um, in my role, I kind of sit at the 30,000 foot level looking at accessibility across everything that Apple does, whether that be products or services or stores, workplace, all of the many things, the ways that we interact with all of our users in the world. Um, and it's really, from our perspective, we consider accessibility to be a basic human right. So it's really looking at accessibility not as a checkbox or as a single thing to do and walk away from, but instead as something that we build into everything that we do as a company. So that means in my job externally, that's making sure that people do understand what are the, the things we build into our products, the ways we express ourselves out to the world, and then internally making sure that every single Apple employee understands that accessibility is one of our core corporate values and that um, regardless of whether accessibility is in any of their titles or not, that it is something that they should be thinking about in everything that they do. And that goes beyond just sort of, you know, engineers and designers, but all the way to store employees or even people who, you know, work in our facilities department. If somebody is walking past a trash can and says, wow, I'm not sure that a wheelchair could go past that, I should move this trash can. I can go to bed that night saying job well done. So I'm always just trying to make sure that accessibility is a part of every conversation here at the company. Absolutely. I, I took a assistive technology course um, for my occupational therapy program and the overwhelming, and this course was in 2017 and sort of the overwhelming messaging was that there sort of is this accessibility is like an expansion pack, like, okay, well maybe these accessibility features are sort of, you know, it, the original design didn't have accessibility included in it. So then here's sort of these external features that you can kind of put into it or, or this need for separate products that, that sort of be, were able to address all of the different needs for people, but they really pressure or not pressure, but the overwhelming message was just needing to, to create universal design so that we have one product that is accessible and accessibility is built into that actual product. And that it's not sort of this like, separate thing that, okay, people with disabilities have to have this special thing. Like, no, that this is the universal thing that everybody else is using. And, and I know that um, things like Siri or being able to um, talk to different devices to be able to control different apps within homes was something that was really wonderful so that it helped create more access for people who needed it. So I, I just love that the accessibility coming into the core of the design is how we're moving forward as a society. And I'm just really appreciative and thankful that those are things that you and Apple are doing and making sure that our core values. So I'm excited. Can you um, tell us a little bit more about some of the features that are coming out in the new Apple products? Yeah, um, although for I want to touch on something you were just saying, sure, sure. because I think that is really crucially important to take consumer products and make them work for everyone. And that's something that 
from our perspective, we've been doing for years. You know, it, it's for us, when we look at accessibility, it's not about a third party doing it for us or bolting it on as an afterthought at the end. It's about at the beginning of the design process, thinking about how anyone who would want to use a product would have the opportunity to do so. So we have spent, you know, decades building accessibility features in to the operating systems as standard features. So to kind of what to, to your point, not as a a pack to be added on later or something that you have to download. It's just it's there from the minute you buy your device, you can get to it, start it up and make it work the way your the way you want your device to work best for you. So we look at accessibility as being about customization and you know the personalization because everyone's experience of using their device whether they self-identify as having a disability or not is unique you know any way that sarah your phone is set up is going to be different than the way nicole's phone is going to be set up is different than the way my phone is going to be set up and that's just basic life so mm -hmm. we want to make sure that whatever is the thing that works best for you is the stuff that we have available to you at any time um, and segueing into your next question, this year is no different. You know, we have, uh, you know, our team spends every year looking at not just how do we take everything that every other uh, engineer at Apple is working on and making that accessible, because we want to make sure that if you're a member of one of the communities that we support, that all the awesomeness that everybody's working on works for you. But it's also an opportunity for us to create unique features for our communities so that we can really surprise and delight everybody who use our, uses our technology. Um, and there are a couple of things that we have focused on this year that I think are really interesting. One area that we've put a lot of effort into this year is support for the hearing, and I put that in quotes, hearing community in the sense of not those who are hearing, but ranging anything from someone who is deaf to someone who is hard of hearing, to someone who just wants to get more out of using our devices, to somebody who wants more um, just knowledge and awareness of their hearing health. And so there's a lot of different things that we've done to support a wide range of that spectrum of quote unquote hearing. And um, so to start off, one of them that we've done is a feature called headphone accommodations. And it's uh, a feature that allows you to um, adjust certain frequencies to both amplify or damp dampen particular sounds um, and better tune audio for your individual needs. Um, this can be done on uh, AirPod Pro or uh, on AirPods, the second generation, Beats headphones and EarPods. It's available in all of those places. And the idea is that it would allow you to be able to um, hear the you know whether you're doing music movies phone calls facetime calls all of those things you're able to get a better quality of sound um, so works across all those things but for airpods pro there is also a an additional feature involving the transparency mode that is available for airpods pro and if, you, if you're a user of airpods pro you know that you sort of have the option of going all the way to noise canceling or having transparency where you can hear some of the sound that's out in the world around you. And with this new feature, it takes your customized settings and adds that to uh, how transparency works so that you have uh, a better ability to be able to um, 
hear the outside sounds um, in a way that that gives you more awareness of what's going on in your surroundings. Um, and the way that you set this up is there's actually a feature in the accessibility settings that is, um, it's called a custom audio setup. If you have an audiogram, you can actually incorporate that, but otherwise you go through a, a series of, of little um, sound tests and it gets you to a point where you're able to have um, nine different possible settings that are um, kind of set up to be able to either uh, amplify tunings, but with varying strengths. So I'm picturing when you say that I'm a theater kid at heart. So I'm picturing the like the big soundboard that you were never allowed to touch in the theater, right? There was like the one sound guy who wore all black. That was the only person allowed to teach. You know, like one of the tech crew who who knew what all these knobs and buttons did and essentially probably it was frequency and sound and areas that it was coming from that's in my mind as you're as you're describing um this new feature kind of giving that type of capability of of which buttons you can can lower higher this can be medium this can be on very high this one can be off is that yeah, to some degree, it, it, it's to some degree. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's sort of of uh, the strength and and that you uh, need a specific uh, level of sound or or you know those different audio preferences to be set so that you can hear it more crisply and clearly depending on the environment that you're in or uh, the type of media that you're listening to. Super cool. Awesome. I have. I, I do have further questions about features that were just announced at conference, but I want to, I think, pause and ask you at this point, can you share with us a little bit about, number one, how does Apple prioritize kind of what the, what the next is or what you really want to focus on? Um, and then also, who, who and how are you bringing people into the space who have disabilities um, to be the voice to say, yes, this works, no, this doesn't work, maybe try X, Y, and Z? Um, yeah, how do you go about those, those kind of two different branches there? Yeah, um, so I think in terms of the first question of, of how do we work on our, 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 the different things that we do, um, you know, I would say there isn't a, you know, an exact formula for what happens next. There's a lot of things that go into the decision-making process. Uh, one of them I think that's always really important to us is how do we expand our user base? So, uh, you know, we know that everybody, since everyone's experience is different and some people may have multiple disabilities and things like that, there's always sort of a, a desire on our part to make sure that the the audience of people that we hit grows. Um, and that may be that uh, we've we've covered off features that may support uh, you know certain groups and then we look at another group and go, we haven't we haven't hit that one yet. Let's do this. So an example of this would be, you know, last year we came out with a feature called voice control. And voice control is a way to be able to use your device using just your voice. So it gives you the opportunity to get into any of the nooks and crannies of the operating system, um, be able to navigate from item to item and, and use apps just through your voice. And also in the middle of that, be able to dictate things. So imagine that you're saying, you know, tap messages and then uh, saying, um, choosing Nicole, being able to dictate a message, let's go grab coffee after this, 
and then tap send and having it go through um, and doing all of that without ever having to touch the device. Now, prior to this, we had built in a feature called switch control, which was also built uh, largely to support individuals with extreme physical motor limitations who might also never touch the device. But switch access involves being able to um, uh, utilize a sort of a third party switch to just be able to move and navigate through things and sometimes switch access. Um, there's more steps that may need to be taken than just saying tap this, you know, so for us, that was a community that we wanted to make sure we could reach as well for those for whom voice might be the only way that they could interact with their device. Last year was our year to say, all right, we're going to bring this community into the Apple ecosystem. So in some cases, it's that element of let's figure out how to expand to a new area and a new group. In other cases, it may just be we realize there's something that whether it be a big thing or a little thing would just have a make a profound difference in somebody's life. And so we're always just trying to look at what are the what are the things we can do. And it's really never just a one thing. You know, when we do this, I know I, I talked about headphone accommodations, but there are so many things we've come out with this year. Um, the other question about how do we engage with individuals? We have long lived with the mantra of nothing about us without us, which is certainly so huge in the disability community. And for that reason, it starts with people on our own team who are members of different communities and help us when we work on any of our features. Um, so that's that's sort of the the baseline. But then from there, really gaining feedback from the communities through a lot of different formats. And that's everything from um, working with people along the way as the design process is going on to when our new operating systems go into beta. There are a lot of developers as well as individuals who use those public betas, who download them early and give us feedback along the way. Um, and then really just over the course of the year at any point, we've got uh, a lot of ways that the community can get to us. Um, one of the main ones is an email address, which is accessibility at apple.com. It's an email address that we've had uh, open to the public for, I think it's over 15 years now, something around there. And um, there's a whole team that uh, gets that email. And we have a lot of people on a daily basis who will write to us to ask questions, provide feedback, report bugs. We take all of that very seriously. Um, anything that gets filed as a bug or uh, a, a, you know, any of the feedback goes to our engineering team so they can work with it and try and make it better. And we're always there to answer questions. And so we really want the community to have a dialogue with us and to communicate what they like, what they don't like, where we can improve and really help us make sure that our products are the best that are out there. That's fantastic. I am excited to learn more just in my own personal journey with my Apple products on the voiceover controls. Cause I know, and perhaps Nikki, you too, that sort of being somebody that has a limb difference, like being able to operate things or like take selfies or stuff like I'm pretty right hand dependent on, on my ability to interact with the device. Um, whereas I'm, I'm not, I'm not as easily able to interact with the device on my left hand solely, which then if I'm trying to do any other type of activity can get a little 
tricky in that. Um, and I know that I do audio dictation just through my messages, but I haven't gone through the route of the, the voice control. So sometimes when I'm sending my messages and of course, making sure that I know all the right commands, uh, if I'm doing an audio dictation, it'll go. And then at the end, it'll just say, send, 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 send. Because uh, <laughs> I didn't, I haven't learned what the actual controls to be able to hit send. So sometimes I actually have to hit the enter button, but I know that's <laughs> always like a telltale sign of when Sarah's doing audio dictations is send, send, send. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, we do have a lot of features as well that are built to support uh, physical motor where it might be that you really just want to use one hand or even one digit to be able to run your device. But a great new feature that we actually just added this year to uh, iPhone, and this works from the iPhone 10 and above. Um, and this is based on the the hardware being a part of this uh, feature or the, the the way that it works, but it's called Backtap. And mm -hmm. the idea behind it is that by doing either a double or a triple tap on the backside of the phone, you can uh, have an action occur. So uh, in my case, I have it set up so that um, my double tap is taking a screenshot and my triple tap is locking the screen, but you can set it up to do in a lot of ways, just about anything from um, being able to, you know, access a specific accessibility feature. So you might set it up to turn on voiceover or voice control or magnifier or whatever it might be, but you could also set it up to just have, you know, reachability set up. If you don't uh, feel like getting to the top of the screen is easy for you or, uh, getting to control center and notification center um, to use it to scroll, you could set it up with a Siri shortcut. So if you have created a complex workflow as a Siri shortcut that you want to be able to just do uh, as a single gesture, you could set that up as your double tap or your triple tap. And we are hearing so many people out in the world who have found Backtap and are loving it already. So. Yeah, I'm so I'm sorry, sorry to cut you off at the end there. My apologies. Um, I, I'm glad that you kind of went into that because that was going to be the next one I ask you about, because that is going to be an accessibility feature that I am excited to try out and I am excited to use because um, exactly what you are saying, this is an accessibility need that I will be able to utilize. And, and yes, I can. Um, I have learned ways to adapt around it, but even taking screenshots for me, um, because I am, I only have uh, my left arm just a little bit past my elbow. Lots of times I have to kind of position my phone against my body in order to be able to rearrange my hand to even hit mm -hmm. the screenshot, which really in the grand scheme of things isn't a huge deal. Yet at the same time to have the freedom to be able to, you know, set the double tap on there, it's going to, it, it's th it's those small things that make the fabric of my life so much easier. And so I just am so glad that, uh, yeah, these things are being thought about with care and that, again, as you were talking about, I think it's so important understanding that individuals um, kind of maybe need or want the control to set up things the way that they need them set up. So even though Sarah and I technically both have hand differences, still she may use that double tap feature and connect it to into something separate than I would connect it into. And so I, I just, um, again, thank you, because I think that is 
so important that you understand that from person to person, even if it technically is the blanket same disability, that doesn't necessarily mean we'll use that accessibility feature in exactly the same way. Uh, that was not a question, but just a comment. <laughs> and thank I'm, you. <laughs> I'm excited for the back tap as well, because sometimes there's I also coming to the screenshots and sometimes there's, you know, like I'm thinking of, you know, like a story or something that I want to take a screenshot of, but it has a time limit. And in order to stop the time limit, you have to kind of hold on to the screen and then take a screenshot. Mm -hmm. If I try holding on to that and pushing, I'll flip my phone out of my hand and it'll fall on the ground, which is why I have intense. Um, phone protection cases because I'm always <laughs> dropping my phone um but if I want so that's not as effective for me so my way around it is I'll use my nose to hold the screen and then I'll use my right hand to snap like to screenshot so it's just funny I've been around that with my parents and my friends and they're like what are you doing and I was like this is, this is how I need to screenshot to be able to keep the image there and then it's funny sometimes I'll miss it because I can't see it because I'm using my nose um and then I'm like okay I have to go back and try it again so I'm just really excited for things like the um like the um double tap on the back so i can stop using my nose that'd be great oh yeah <laughs> I mean, the, the screenshot one i i love uh, it, and and it's something that we actually had this type of thing built into another accessibility feature that's been around for years on the iphone which is assistive touch and assistive touch was created as a way to uh give you the opportunity to take any of the complex gestures and make them available through just a single touch of a digit. So it's, it, you know, that would be things like taking a screenshot. So you don't have to use the physical buttons or you, you know, don't need to have four fingers on a swipe down or even two fingers to pinch. You can just do it with one. So screenshots been built in there for a while. And we have seen how much this has benefited so many people who, who don't want to use the physical buttons. But this just becomes, I think, even that on a little bit on steroids. Like it, it's so much easier now just to do the a single double tap or triple tap. So, so yeah, we're always trying to think about the details. It's not just the the sort of broad strokes of doing something, but it's really thinking about the specific things that would be a convenience for someone and would be life changing, whether it's a huge thing or just the simplest of things like. A double tap on the back of your phone. Totally. Uh, I want to be respectful of time. I know we're coming coming in on it, um, but again, it is it, it's the small moments that make a, a, a difference, right? And it's in theory small changes to be thought about that that can um, bring that ease for people of our community. And again, it's so so good to know that it's a part of um, top to bottom thinking within the Apple world. Uh, so I am wondering, um, kind of as we close out our time together, what what else would you like to share with us? Are there any other features you'd like to share? Anything else you want us to know? What's what's still burning inside you to share with us? <laughs> Another feature that we're really uh, excited to put out to the world is one called sound recognition, um, which, you know, a lot of the, the alarms and alerts and notifications in our world today are sound based and they're not always accessible to members of the deaf or the deafblind community. So we added in a feature called sound recognition, um, which is a new setting that will alert users on an iPhone or iPad uh, when a particular type of sound or alert has been detected. So imagine if a fire alarm is going off in a room or if the doorbell rings or uh, you know if a person is shouting in the area, 
being able to put up a visual notification on the screen that alerts someone to what that thing might be. So really just making some of those audible noises far more accessible to the deaf and the deaf blind community. Um, another thing in group FaceTime, we've, you know, we've long had a way in which if you are the, uh, the, the person speaking, it will give you prominence on the screen and make your, your tile, your bubble, uh, the largest one on the screen. So people know who's kind of the, the principal speaker. We've now uh, built in a, a new feature that detects when a participant is using sign language and makes them the prominent speakers. Um, another one to be aware of that we're really excited about, and this sort of is, is speaks to the collaboration that we do in the world is uh, we're now supporting the X Xbox adaptive controller for gaming. So for Apple Arcade, you know, we know there's so many people who love immersing themselves in the incredible world of Apple Arcade to play some of these just fantastic games. And within the gaming community, for those who uh, need, you know, an adaptive controller, the the work that that Microsoft's done on the Xbox controller has been huge. And so it was definitely something we wanted to bring to the platform as quickly as possible. And just a lot of different things that we want people to be able to take advantage of. So, you know, if you are someone who is interested in downloading a beta, please, you know, go to the the developer side or the public beta when it becomes available and check it out and give us your feedback. Let us know how we're doing. Um, and yeah, I think that's that's about it. I love it. Thank you so, so much for, yeah, spending a little bit of time with us today and, and just for sharing your knowledge with us. Um, Again, just like from the community as a whole, thank you for the work that that you are doing because um, it's nice to be thought of and it's nice that people are working um, to include us and actually be fully inclusive, which is what I feel Apple is doing. So um, just kind of a big thank you from the community at large from us here today as well. Well, absolutely. Uh, thank you for that. We, we really, we love the work that we do. Um, I mean, I, I feel like I have the best team in the entire world and they are so passionate and so ridiculously smart and creative in coming up with all of these things. And so I, I'm thrilled that we are able to get this out every year and tell the world on all the stuff that we've been noodling on over the course of a year. All right. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. We want to give thanks to our network, Public House Media, for our intro beats to Jason Bards with Cybernetics. Our local art, we want to remember Patrice. You can find his work at normalpersons.com. Be sure to follow Disarming Disability on Facebook and Instagram. And lastly, be sure to check out our website, disarmingdisability.com, where you can find all 13 episodes of season one, links to resources, transcriptions, and discussion questions for each episode, and check out our blog where we feature amazing disability advocates. See you next week. Virginia, William Hill, America's number one sports book, is now here. And we have a special 2021 offer to help you bet on all your favorite sports risk-free. Download the William Hill Sportsbook app, and when you sign up, you can get started with a risk-free bet of up to $2,021. Use promo code RADIORF. Terms and conditions apply. 21 plus only. Gambling problem? Call, text, or chat our confidential and toll-free helpline at 1-888-532-3500. Let's make it interesting with William Hill Sportsbook.